and welcome back to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingy, where for this show I sit down with rugby agent Max Parikura from Coda Sports, where we talk about his love for footy, how he got into the industry, the intricacies of player contracts, and some of the ethical issues that the game faces with the scouting of high school players. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in learning more about, please do keep listening, and as per, enjoy. Well, kia ora, Max, and thank you very much for taking some time out to join me on Code with Kingy. Um, without blowing too much smoke your way, I, I've actually been really, really looking forward to this podcast. As much as I love interviewing players and other people around the game, you know, you're an individual who's obviously played the game and has an interest in it, but has piqued my interest from a, a different angle working into the sort of sports agency space, which we'll get to, bro. But yeah, kia ora, um, and yeah, thank you for joining me this morning. Good, bro. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, like like I said, like you've obviously like made um, a bit of noise in the sports agency space, but I want to take it back to day dot, bro. So, like, what's your rugby story, and where did you grow up? Um, so I grew up on the North Shore in Auckland. Sort of played all my way through um, up here. Started like a lot of guys at like five years old. Played club rugby down at North Shore. Went to Takapuna Grammar. Uh, played first fifteen there, and then played a little bit of eighth grade stuff with North Harbour. So I kept playing all the way through, went over to Ireland for six months um, over the uni holidays in my first year, uh, played some footy over there, which was a pretty cool experience, um, taught me a lot about the game and sort of the business side of rugby as well, came back and played for the North Harbour 19s, that year managed to dislocate both my shoulders, mm. um, so had two shoulder ops in the space of 12 months pretty much. And then after that, thought, well, I'm not going to crack it, so got to reassess, really. <laughs> right. So, but even growing up, like, were you from like a strong rugby household, and were you a bit of a gunner? You eventually played first fifteen, but like, did you look at rugby as the pathway you wanted to take career-wise? Like, when you left school, I always loved footy. Um, I guess by the time leaving school, I was realistic about my chances as well. I was always on the smaller side, like. 6-1, playing in the loose forwards, you know, the requirements of Super Rugby these days are being a whole lot bigger than that, or might have think up even being a whole lot bigger than that. But I just loved footy, eh? Like, every every Friday, Saturday night, would watch all the games that are on, um, watch heaps of might have 10, watch heaps of Super, um, never miss an All Blacks game. So, obviously, the, the dream growing up was to be an All Black, like lots of young kids in New Zealand. Um, and then after, after leaving school, sort of went into law, and obviously still wanted to crack it, but after after a few things happened, a few injuries, and um, decided that I'd love to stay involved in the in the game somehow. So managed to sort of get into this. True. So, and what you mentioned by this is is Coda Sports, and yep. like you're doing a bit of reading around the work that you guys, you know, initially started doing, and the work that you've continued to do is that you're looking to sort of shake up. Well, not you have in a sense haven't said that you wanted to shake it up, but you're entering, um, I guess that that business from a different perspective. So, like, how did Coda Sports come about? Because um, I know you've got a partner with it. So, was it as simple as you two like having a chat over a beer, or yeah, where did it start from? 
Yeah, it was weird actually. So I, when I left school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I know like a lot of guys leave school, the big, big world, don't know whether to study or work or what to do. And I actually went and spent, um, went and had a coffee with an agent at the time of the Essentially Group it was back then. They looked after a whole bunch of the All Blacks um, at the time. This was what, 2015? Yeah, end of 2015. And I was like, well, being a being a sports agent would be pretty cool, you know. It's one of those jobs that it's always like being involved in sports that close, being involved with the players and all that sort of thing would be pretty cool. And then um, sort of been thinking about it since then. Didn't really know whether it would be a reality or anything like that. And then um, me and Kai obviously went to uni together and we sat down one day at uni and we were like, well, why not have a, have a bit of research, do a bit of market research, have a look around and see what, see if there was an opportunity to get involved in sort of just grew from there like we we spent the first 12 months sort of thinking about it and trying to come up with different ideas of sort of how we could enter the space and what we could do with it and then sort of really really launched beginning of 2019 so doing it for about two years now and yeah just growing day by day really now like any other business like you obviously have to come in uh, at a different angle so or like how did how does Coda Sports differentiate or differ from the rest of the competition? And like, what was like? There's obviously got to be a bit of purpose behind it because I mean, like, you're only a relatively young fella, and to get into that sort of industry where you're having to compete with older heads and players that are older than you, like, 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 where did you know sports? You know, besides like, like you said, like staying involved with sports, being a code head, like wanting to represent players. But yeah, like, what what's the purpose behind Coda Sports? Like. Like what made you fully want to go into it? Well, the, it was we're talking to a few few mates, obviously growing up with a lot of guys that are playing rugby at a high level now. Um, and speaking to a few of them, the conversations we got was sort of like their agent would would get a hold of them when it was time for them to resign their contract with a club or something, take their commission, and then sort of go go cold on them for the next twelve months. Um, and Everyone, like all the agents in the game, you'll see it from everyone. Everyone's got a holistic approach. Like they, they say they do everything for guys, and some of them do. Some of them are fantastic. But we saw a few few opportunities where we felt that the players deserve better. There was we sort of our aim and how how we try and be different is provide a holistic service, as cliche as it sounds. But we do everything from guys' contract negotiations, obviously, like the the, the role of an agent to helping them off the pitch as well. We like running workshops with guys, um, have a few links with some financial planners, help them manage investments, help give them good advice. And as far as when guys go overseas, like we, we provide a package as to where they're going, sort of what the city's like, what the team history is, good places to eat, good places to go out for a beer, all that sort of considered these days above and beyond, but what we think should sort of be the norm for guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that helping them with their weekly budgets before guys consider signing a contract overseas, we do a full tax breakdown for them. So they know how much they're coming out with each week. Um, cause obviously if you're going overseas, things can be confusing, sort of different language, different tax systems. So we really, we like to think that we go above and beyond helping guys relocate overseas and also younger players here, helping them, helping just provide sort of a consistent support line, you know, not just when it's time to sign another contract. That, that's really awesome to hear because it sounds as though for all the players that you have underneath you at the moment, um, they really only have to focus on footy, which 
is a tough enough task in itself other than having to worry about where your money's going, how much money's coming in, where my next contract's going to come, making sure that you have like a clear line of communication between like yourself and your, and your, um, your signees. Um, yeah, I guess that takes a lot of the, the stress away just from some of the stories that I've heard from, yeah, like yourself with players where yeah, they can go a bit cold turkey or, you know, it's almost like, well, if I'm not of any use to that agent, it's almost like, you know, I'm just another number to them. So, yeah, it's 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 really um I guess uplifting to hear someone that's getting into the industry to actually look after the players rather than looking at them like um like money essentially. But okay, so you you have all that purpose or that the reason why you wanted to get into it um and you have a law background. But how do you even go about starting a sports agency? Good question, to be honest, bro. <laughs> I don't really know. Like we we went and talked to one of our mates, James Little. He was was injured at the time. Um, we we went and basically said to him, "Hey, we'll look after your stuff for you if you want." And he was lucky enough. Oh, we were lucky enough that he said yes at the time. So we really owe him for for sort of taking taking the first step and and backing us. And from from there, it sort of started to grow. We got a bit of traction in Japan, getting a few guys over there. Sort of a bit of, bit of luck, bit of good timing to break into the industry. Um, got a few guys into Japan and then started to grow a reputation from there. And then in terms of growing players and growing a player base, it's, you know, the rugby world is big, but it can be quite small as well. Word of mouth is really important. A lot of the guys that I look after now have been mates of somebody that I previously represented, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, just, just started, like started small, obviously, and just trying to do, do a good job for every player that I look after. And then hopefully word of mouth continues to grow and build a bit of a, a reputation for being, I guess, a good, a good dude and a good, good at what I do and then sort of see where we can go from there. Do you go about approaching potential players that you'd like to have on board yourself? Like, is that something that you do proactively? Yep. So at the moment, proactively looking to, to take more players on board. So if anyone's listening, hit me up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's sort of, a lot of guys that are playing Mighty 10 or Super Rugby at the moment will, will be with agents. And in the past, we've proactively approached players if, if we've got opportunities overseas that we think we can get, and we'll continue to do that. Um, in terms of like proactively recruiting younger players, you know, guys out of school, I don't know, morally, I think it's, it's wrong. Approaching, we're talking 14, 15, 16-year-olds mm -hmm. and dangling a carrot in front of them that the dream's in front of them. And yeah, still trying to trying to I guess find a solution to to take on some younger players and and do a good job with them. But I spoke to some first fifteen kids last year that basically told me they've been signed by agents for two or three years. So it's definitely an interesting industry. Um, and yeah, just trying to get creative, sort of as we have done so far about different solutions that we think best benefit the player and us together. Yeah, that's quite a contentious topic because, you know, like you said, a lot of these so-called agents, they'll go into these schools and offer these kids the opportunity to go here and there and, and promise them the world. And unfortunately, like you said, it's a, very, it's a very minute group of people that actually go on to be professionals. I think it's less than, you know, like a handful of percent. Um, and by that, I mean five. I don't know why I said handful. Anyway, um, <laughs> but yeah, like for you, like having gone into it, like, and like you said, you obviously like go about your business uh, in a moral way or you have your own morals and own sort of ethics. But 
is there almost the the situation where you sort of miss the boat on these big name players because you don't want to be reaching into kids that haven't turned 18 yet or are you not so much worried about that because I know that I know that you're in this industry not so much to make money but like do like what's the turnover rate for, for agents for kids like do they typically stay with the same agent all the way through the course of their career like have you done any research behind that yep so some of the agents you'll find and just addressing your first question there's definitely a um it's definitely a risk not talking to younger guys because you miss out on your your really high level players. You know you, your top first fifteen guys then go mighty super and and as we've seen in the last couple of years with guys like Caleb Clark or Braden Enoble Jordan up to the All Blacks really quickly. And if you're not sort of tapping these guys up when they're in year eleven, twelve, you you miss out on these sorts of guys. Um, the turnover rate for agents, and obviously it differs from agent to agent and differs from country to country as well, but from what I've seen so far, can be quite high. Like a lot of agents like taking on sort of as many guys, at, at sort of a scattergun approach, as many guys at, at high school as they can that could make it. And then anyone that doesn't make it or, or doesn't kick on straight away, they slowly drift away from and they keep quite tight with obviously their money makers of sorts or the guys that are going to crack it. Mm-hmm. So what sort of, yeah, it's there's definitely something that needs to be changed in the industry to protect those younger players as to what that is. I'm not sure yet. Sort of been thinking about it for the last year or two and hopefully can find, find a way to better protect these young guys. Cause a lot of them get sold the dream to union. And as you see, a lot, a lot of guys get sold the dream to league and then get chewed out one end and spat out the other. If they get, an, get a bad, in, bad injury or, or don't crack it fast enough or can't lift big enough or things like that. So yeah. It can be cutthroat. You know, sport is a cutthroat industry. You're either good enough or you're not. And a lot of people will tell you will tell you that. But yeah, it's definitely it definitely is an issue or an area of contention that um I think need needs to be looked at. Yeah, definitely, bro. Um I mean like putting the players to one side and to sort of switch lanes, but you I mean you talk about obviously having that word of mouth and that's how you've built up um, the base of your clientele. Uh, and then obviously you're exploring, um, looking at guys when they're leaving school rather than whilst they're still at it. But then you mentioned the fact that you managed to make some traction over Japan and um, maybe over Europe or whatever. Like how do you even go about setting that up if you're not a sports agent? Like are you just like firing emails away to these clubs and you know showing them your certification? Like how does that all work? Pretty much, bro. That you've nailed it on the head. Like the first, the first sort of overseas opportunity I had, a guy wanted to go to Spain, wanted to go over sort of an OE six months, get paid a little bit, go and travel with his missus, and I was like, sweet, yeah, I can do that for you. And literally jumped on and emailed every club in Spain and Portugal, like, and maybe sent away forty five emails, got seven or eight hits back, you know. We spoke about it before the podcast, but you get a lot more no's than you do yeses. Um, but it's just about continuing to continuing to fire the fire them away. Be confident in the brand that you've got and the, the vision that you've got, and and then eventually, or hopefully, you get some traction and, and get to work out the other side. It was sort of the same way with Europe. Spoke to a few rather than clubs themselves. Spoke to a few agents over there. So I've got a, a handful of agents that I, I'm in constant contact with over there that 
provide me with opportunities for my players over there and, and vice versa. And into Japan, same sort of thing. Knew a couple of coaches over there from when I was playing, so got a hold of them. And then they helped after I could provide them with some players. They helped introduce me to other guys and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah, just really the first six, nine months was hard. Got a lot of emails that never got never got a response or anything like that. But you just got to keep sending them, right? 100% bro, 100% I'm with you on that. And then you talk about like making contact with, with fellow agents and club administrators. What is the industry like as a whole? Is it more like, you know, everyone looks to help each other out or is it for the most part very individualistic? Because I mean, you're a relatively young chap entering a very sort of experienced realm. So did you have a lot of pushback from some of the top dogs being like, oh, what's this young fella look like, you know, look, looking like he's trying to do like, Get him out of here. Yeah, I think it it really varies from person to person and club to club. Like some clubs will will only work with the guys they've worked with for the last five or ten years. You know, they've they trust them because they've dealt with them in the past. Whereas other clubs are are more than happy to talk to someone new. Um, in terms of other agents, I found it was quite difficult to talk to them at first when I didn't have sort of any players. Sort of get snobbed off like, oh, there's there's somebody else coming in they've probably seen it lots before where someone comes in and then disappears pretty quickly mm-hmm. and still to this day get get a bit of pushback from some agents had, had a few choice emails from some people um about about what i'm doing but like I, I try to align myself with a lot of guys that have the same sort of vision that i do and i feel provide the same service to the players that i want to do and work, work with the good roosters as much as possible yeah, 100%, bro. And then it, it, on on the point of age, bro, and I don't mean to press, um, but but it is, it, it really is cool the fact that, you know, you, you are a young fella looking to make a difference for a lot of the rugby players we have both here and abroad. But, you know, contract negotiations, endorsements, you know, you're talking with big companies and like experienced administrators and like how has that gone for you? Has that been something that you've been, I guess, relatively confident in from the get-go or has it been something you've had to sort of grow into because like I, I can only imagine you know myself sitting across the room from the hurricane ceo and you're trying to negotiate you know up from a one-year deal up to a three-year deal like like how does all that stuff work for you yeah well um 22 at the moment turning 23 this year i sort of i've always been young around my peers like i was I was born in May and was 16 when I finished school, I think. I was one of the young ones, or just turned 17 when I finished school. I started uni at 17, so, like, first semester at uni, couldn't have a beer, you know? (laughs) um, I know, bro. I know the struggles, brother. (laughs) So, I've I've always been young in that sense, but I've been working at a a law firm for for four years. Pretty much as soon as I left school and started studying law, I got an internship at a law firm doing family law so I've been to court um on numerous occasions done a lot of negotiating through that yeah so sort of that that prepped me quite well going into this even at the start when I was negotiating guys contracts there was definitely nerves doing it over email and things like that I'd be be talking to my dad or other guys about it like what do you think or like I've got got a pretty good support network so asking people that have been there and done that before me and, and obviously different businesses but um about their opinions and things like that now I feel a lot more confident in doing it. Sort of done a few more now. And I mean, it definitely can still be nerve-wracking when you're talking to guys that that are 
say the CEO of the Highlanders or things like that, it's it's pretty cool to get some traction there and it's still still nerve wracking. But I'm confident in my own abilities at this point. Like I've done it enough times to think that I, I can do the, the best job for the player in, in each individual negotiation. Cool, bro. Cool. And then what about the intricacies of contracts because there isn't a lot of knowledge um for your average joe rugby fan around like how rugby contracts work so i know you've got a bit of a law background but did it take much time for you to to get into it and does it differ much from you know your typical i don't know job um your typical job contract that you sign like when you start at new world or you start at subway typically i found i've always found the rugby contracts are a lot easier than than what you learn during law school or deal with in, in the legal world. A lot of the like the governing bodies like the NZRPA and the NZAU here in New Zealand try and simplify it as much as possible for guys. Usually they can be one, two, three pages worth worth of stuff with your salary or your insurances and things like that. The overseas ones in Japan were difficult at first because they all got sent to me in Japanese. <laughs> obviously not not bilingual so that was a bit of a um a work through had to get a translator from over there and and then get it all translated into english properly make sure there was nothing lost in translation so that i knew knew what i was doing and they can be a bit more complex because obviously you want to make sure that that all the guys insurances and and all that sort of stuff are, are done properly and i guess what with the state of the world's in at the moment with COVID and that sort of stuff, though making sure those contracts are watertight, especially overseas, is super important. Making sure that the clubs are willing to pay for their quarantine coming home and hope manage to get for a lot of the guys that if if their season got cancelled over in Japan that they'll still get paid out and things like that. So overseas I found is a lot more important to to make sure everything's watertight. Whereas here in New Zealand with the way the NZRPA works and the NZRU, a lot of it's a lot of it's pretty simple. All right, um, and then what are some of the other learnings you, you, you've come across? I mean, obviously, like anyone who starts a business, you can have a plan, and then you go to execute, and then you go to start, and stuff doesn't go to plan. Then you have to go back to plan B. So can you sort of like rattle off some of the things that you've learned on the fly since becoming a player agent? It's almost hard to to narrow down a couple of things. Like being at uni, you obviously learn – learn lots of like book smart things, um, learn lots of scenarios and, and that sort of stuff. But when you're actually in business and, and learning in the real world, I found I've learned so much more over the last two years than I than I ever have at uni. I guess more it's it's dealing with people, how to deal with people, um, knowing that people are different, like different different things get different people to tip. And I saw, that's sort of what I pride myself on with the relationship with each player. Like I, I know who they are and, and how to deal with each guy differently. There's no one size fits all. As well as dealing with clubs and different like managers or general managers overseas and, and here in New Zealand, knowing how now after I've dealt with them for a wee while, how different guys think about different things or how they view different players um, and their abilities. I mean just learning as I go in the industry and, and having more experience talking to guys in it and guys that have been in it in the past, like ex-professional rugby players and things like that, just learning more about how the business side of the rugby world and how business in general works. Yeah, I guess that's the thing, right? Yeah, you, you, you can never really have a full understanding of an occupation until you get yourself into it. doesn't matter how much booklet you do behind it. 
and then yeah, like you said, there's it's it's a bit of a contrast because like there's the the product on the field, but then there's also the stuff off the field that I guess has to work hand in hand um, with you and your clientele. But um, yeah, I mean, like, you've obviously made a lot of progress over the last two years. Um, I mean, like, how much time are you putting into it? And I mean, like, how much has your player base grown? Well, it's grown exponentially from the start of start of last year, really, from from one player to twenty four guys. I'm looking after now, so really crazy growth over over the first year, and hoping to carry on in a similar way, similar way this year. Obviously, with the way the world is at the moment, there's there's less opportunities going around for guys, but um, hopefully, continue to work work well. My first priority is making sure that I can look after the guys that that have, I guess, trusted me now and doing the best job I can for them. And then we'll continue to take on further players until I until I sort of get to the point that I feel like I can't do many more without sacrificing the quality and, and the service that I'm already providing to the guys at the moment. And, yeah, just, just hoping to continue to grow, really. Like, who knows with what's happening around the world or with the NZRU at the moment, like all those reports that they're looking to sell 15% of their commercial arm and things like that just seeing what opportunities might come from that, how that changes the grassroots game or, or other avenues that happen. So, yeah, just just enjoying it. I'm doing it pretty much pretty much full-time now, still still studying, have four papers left at uni, and then after that we'll hopefully look to go full-time and, and sort of see what I can do. That's cool, bro. It's, 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 I mean, for me as someone who's, I don't know, running a podcast and has, like I mentioned off here, has aspirations to potentially make a career, this is, yeah, it's quite inspiring if you don't mind me saying bro to see a guy that's set out to do something and has pretty much established um, a base level to where he could you know live off it once you, you finish up with your law stuff bro but even moving forward bro you talk about you know the the want for for more growth um, as long as you can keep that that quality product that you're delivering to your clientele but I mean like what what is success for you over the next 12 months besides growth and even like long term um, I mean, success for me long term is I want to, as as I've said multiple times, continue to provide a good service and not be one of those agents that um drops guys that aren't getting contracts or things like that. I want to do more for guys off the field, help them develop their brands more, continue to do more more financial workshops with guys so that they can be in the best position they can to succeed after retire. Something else I'd love to do is create a create a clearer pathway for like younger. Maori Pacifica players to get to the high level. You know, you see a, like a lot of guys crack it, but then a lot of guys also fail and and don't know where to go from there. A big thing for me is continuing to stress the guys that, that rugby and sport isn't everything. They need to have a plan B of sorts or a backup plan, whether that's studying a job, an apprenticeship or, or whatever they want to do. And hopefully just, just change change the agent industry and continue to help guys be prepared for when they retire or because you never know you never know when that might be yeah exactly bro I mean I've talked to a number of guys who've career careers well they might not necessarily have been cut short but you know they're then living with you know aches and pains and have come out the other end of a 10-year rugby career with you know they might have a house but you know they don't know what's next and I know for a lot of guys they can go through a pretty rough time because they're so used to being in a routine, being told what to eat, um, being told when to turn up. You know, they know that they have Wednesdays off, yada, yada, yada. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's a very short time frame, a rugby career. 
um, yeah, and unless like you're like a Dan Carter who sort of rolls into different um, endorsements or whatever, you, you're stuck having to find, you know, your next sort of passion or your next nine to five gig, bro. So, yeah, it's yeah again like I mentioned, bro, across the the course of this interview, it's yeah, it is really cool to see someone actually wanting to make a difference um, in a space where, for a lot of the time, players are just looked at as a dollar figure, but. Um, just a quick plug for you, bro. So if there are any guys who are listening to this podcast and are unhappy with their current agent situation, how can they get a hold of you? Well, however, Max Paracura on Instagram, Coda underscore sports on Instagram, whatever works easy for them. They can flick me a message on Facebook or my phone number is 021-269-1086. Feel free to give me a ring any time. I say it to a lot of guys, even if they're with different agents and they're just looking for some advice or, or looking to bounce ideas off. Like I'm always here and, and happy to have a chat to guys about, about their situation or things like that. Like, bro, I'm just, I'm happy to, happy to help people regardless of whether that, that bounces back to me and what in some way, shape or form, you know? Exactly, bro. And um, yeah, I, I can't make any promises that you'll get any calls off this podcast because <laughs> most of the time it's just my mum and dad listening to it, brother. But if something good does come from this chat, um, Awesome, bro. It's the least I could do for you taking some time out to talk to me today, bro. And like I mentioned at the start, like I was really looking forward to this, and this has been a really insightful conversation. Um, and I look forward to just following your journey. And you might actually get an email from me, bro, because I'd be keen to go play in Spain, but um, you'll have to check my highlight tape first and see whether I'm actually good to go. Um, if it's as sharp as the podcast, bro, you'll be off. <laughs> All right, Max. So I appreciate your time, brother. Stay safe. No, thanks for that, mate. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.